you pray with me? Loving God, when we encounter scriptures like today, we are confused and perplexed like the disciples. We have no idea what to make of it. We have no idea where we fall in this in the spectrum of first and last and often place ourselves in the middle. As we hear your word read and proclaimed, just that your spirit would speak to us, that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear that we might be transformed and that our daily lives and how we treat one another and live in our world will reflect your love, your spirit, and your reign over our lives. We ask this all in the name of Christ. Amen. The first scripture reading is from Psalms, Psalm 19, 7 to 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the, of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of honeycomb. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading, we continue in the gospel of Mark all the way through Easter. We turn to chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. The man said to him, Teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the man heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were perplexed at these words. Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it is impossible, but, for, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses and brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. 
but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is the word of God for the people. Thanks, Peter. I want to ask a shocking question. I need a show of hands. Who watched the Super Bowl last week? There we go. Who watched the Puppy Bowl? Anybody? Yeah, we watched a few of those. The kitty halftime show. The game seemed to transform after the half. The first part of the game was hard to watch, especially that first couple of plays. You didn't think much would be happening in a game, not a whole lot of scoring. People were messing up left and right. But something happened during the halftime that transformed both teams, that it transformed how both teams were playing on the field, and the end of the game was spectacular. Now, I don't think it was Usher. I think it was what happened in the locker rooms. Maybe the, the coach gave a pep talk. Maybe he threatened them uh, within a inch of their life to stop messing up. But something happened. Last week, we talked about that transfiguration moment where Jesus, Peter, James, and John went up onto the mountain. And J Moses and Elijah came down and were talking with Jesus. And we hear the voice from heaven. We hear God's voice. And the disciples hear his voice that says, this is my son. Listen to him. In the Gospel of Mark, this is that locker room moment. This is the moment where Jesus knows for sure and he's preparing his disciples for what is going to be happening next. Because from here on now, from now until Easter, we have a direct and steady march to Jesus' death on the cross. We have a steady march until that time when Jesus knows he will not be with his disciples in person. They have got to get it together. They have to be ready for not only what's coming, but for what's coming after. They have to be ready. And we do too. These moments where we finally recognize in the Gospels who Jesus is, when the disciples have definitive understanding from the voice of God that this is his son, it is time to get it together. Sometimes they still make mistakes afterwards. We saw that on Sunday. Not everything went perfectly for both teams. But something has to happen. Now the disciples are on this path with Jesus. They have agreed to follow him. He had called them by name. He had gone to where they were working. He had gone to their homes. He had gone to all of these places. And he called them to him and said, come and follow me. Fishers left their nets behind in their boats on the shoreline as they followed him. They left their homes, their livelihoods, and they were following him. And they were starting to get it. And they were still making mistakes. And they still make them now because they are shaped by the world they grew up in, as we all are how we see the world and how we interact with one another. They grew up and we live in a time where who was first and who was last matters. Who has more and who has less matters. In this world as it is today, sometimes you think of the people that have wealth, who have things going well for them, who, who seem blessed. You think that they're the ones doing the right thing. It's a sign of God's favor, prestige of good living, having wealth and stature in society. The same thing is true today. If you follow along on the daily readings that are on our website, one of the readings was how the disciples were talking amongst themselves saying, who is greater? 
in the kingdom to come, when God's kingdom is established, who of us, who of these disciples who are gathered here, and who are these two talking are going to be most important, and who's going to be lesser than? Jesus had just for the second time predicted his own death on the cross and how he would be suffering for three days and rise again. And their response is, who do you think of us are most important? They still don't get it because Jesus has not quite transformed their view of the world fully. The people's view of the world and what Jesus was here to do is not going to be fully clear until after the resurrection. So it makes sense that they don't understand it, which always gives me hope because it gives me somebody to look up to when I'm a little slow. And so Jesus overhears them talking. He goes to them and says, what are you guys talking about? And they try to play it off and they try to make it sound less bad than it actually is. Oh, I mean, we're just going to talk after you die, after you, you're resurrected. We were just trying to figure out who was most important. And Jesus gives that lesson that is reiterated again today. That the one who is greatest is the one who will lower themselves as a servant to all. That the one who will be lifted up is not the one who places themselves above other people, but through how they treat one another and how they treat each other, and they're willing to, to go where God calls them to go, they are the ones to be lifted. It isn't about wealth. It isn't about prestige. In fact, if you try to place yourself in the place of honor, you are most likely to have somebody come around and knock you down a peg or two. And he's trying to shape them. He's trying to get them to understand that Jesus is trying to get them to see the world and see other people and see their place in it, not through the eyes of the empire, not through the ways they've been trained through how they see. And so we get to chapter 10. A man comes up to him. We get no sense that he's trying to trick Jesus. I, I think he's earnest. I think he really wants to know what must I do to inherit eternal life. It's a question that we all ask. Any of us that are, that are faced with our own mortality, which was the point of our Ash Wednesday service, it's a reminder, you are from dust and to dust you shall return. Our days are limited and what we do with them and how we follow God through them matters. Any of us who have been faced with that reality or wrestled with it has the same question. What must we do? to inherit eternal life. So this man comes to Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you think? What are the commandments? And he says, to honor your mother and your father and to not steal and to not defraud people. Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. Honor your mother and your father. Jesus adds one, don't defraud other people. The man says, I've done all of these things since birth. Jesus says to him, you lack one thing. Take all that you have, sell it and give it to and then come and follow me. And the man is destroyed by what Jesus has just said. He's depressed. He's dejected. He goes away. Now, Jesus didn't tell him this to condemn him. But the scripture says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And the man goes away. For he had many things. And the implication. He wasn't willing to give it up. 
Now, the disciples are confused by this because he's, they already said he followed the whole law. He was a good, upstanding guy in the community. He had signs of wealth, which are often interpreted as of signs of doing something right, of being blessed by God. So why is it that this man has no hope? Go away. Jesus gives the disciples that metaphor of it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a wealthy person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The disciples are like, well, then who can possibly meet that standard? Who can possibly through into the kingdom of heaven like an, uh, a camel going through the eye of a needle? Jesus lays it out. For people, it is impossible. For God, it is possible. For in God, all is possible. We encounter this story sometimes trying to defend ourselves. Say, well, I don't have a lot of wealth, but if you go into my house and see my 300 board games, you know I have possessions. We don't know what to make of it. Why should I be punished more so? Why should it be harder for me under the kingdom of heaven just because I have wealth, just because I have stuff? And there's a lot to make with this passage. The fact that Jesus inserts the idea of don't defraud. How you got your wealth, how you accumulated it, and how you're holding on to it. Maybe Jesus was seeing something in this man or knew something about this man that he specifically inserted don't defraud other people. Possibly. It's one way of reading of this list of why Jesus would add to the Ten Commandments otherwise listed. But I think another way of looking at it is, what are we willing to give up as we follow Christ? What is it that we, like, we absolutely need to hold on to because it gives us comfort, security, stature, it makes us feel better? What is it that we are clinging to that we refuse to give up? I remember pastoring one church, and this church had a difficult problem where it was a fairly short church front to back, and there was many, many rows of pews. And the pews were so close together that you couldn't sit straight on. My knees in front would bump. I knew a few people that had to sit sideways and a few people that had to pick their pew properly because they couldn't actually fit in the open. Now, I remember this because I said, well, what if we took out some of the pews? What if we made space? We don't need them. There's plenty of room for people to sit. And most people were okay with it. There was a few people that joke, well, I don't know where I'm going to sit. A few that said, no, this is my pew. This is, I come to church and I sit in this spot and they fought against this idea that would bring comfort and kind of space things out a little better, get people a little closer together. I had them in against it because that was their they weren't willing to give it up. This is what I cling to. Kind of hints at what we're talking about. When Jesus asked the disciples to leave everything behind, to follow him, being willing to give up everything, including their own life, when he tells the disciples to take up their cross and follow him, that's what he's saying. The cross in this time period, it wasn't that symbol of redemption and hope that we see now through Christ's death. At this time period, it was an instrument of death. It was an instrument of Roman execution, especially the time that Mark was being written in roughly 60 AD. The revolt against Rome had just happened, and Rome had won considerably, and 300 people were crucified. 
with the crosses lining the streets going into the city of Jerusalem. When Jesus tells the disciples to take up their cross and follow him, he's literally saying, be prepared. More than that. He's starting to get at the slightly lesser things. Clinging to our life, being willing to give that up. But when it comes to possessions, when it comes to preferences, when it comes to this understanding of stature and who's first and who's last and, and this idea that we shouldn't have to lower ourselves, that gets a little closer to home. These are the things that we struggle with every day. In our society, there's not a lot of reasons that we would be put to death for our faith. In other parts of the world, for sure. But here, not so much. But you will encounter those times where God is calling you to give something up, to put somebody else's needs first, to put something bigger ahead of your own desires. And you're going to have to make that decision. Jesus ends with this passage saying, for many who are first will be last, and the last will be Jesus is reminding the disciples in us that the way we see the world and we the priorities that we place on various things, and the argument that the disciples had just had of who was going to be most important in the kingdom, none of that matters. None of that is of importance. None of that is what truly shapes the kingdom, and it's better to get ready for it. So what is it that you cling to? What if you say, if this happens, then I'm just done? What is it that God might be calling you to leave behind, to let go of? And what is your reaction? Do you go away in sadness, saying, well, I can't get rid of the young man? giving up all of that, living as God wants us to live, following him and leave, being willing to leave everything behind, is impossible for us. We have things that compete for our attention, time, energy, focus, against that kingdom understanding. It is impossible for us, just as it is an impossibility for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. The first prime reason that we rely on Christ. That through his life, death, and resurrection, a way is made. Something that was once considered impossible is not possible. There is hope when there was no hope. There is a path forward in which we are transformed, in which our lives find meaning and power in the here and now, as we are prepared for what the kingdom will be like in the age to come. And so when we face the difficulties, when we face the impossibilities of it all, as we as a church try to figure out what are our preferences that we're clinging on to that are keeping us from living in God's call in our community, in our world? What is it that we're unwilling to give up? These are difficult questions. One ones of which we are wrestling with as leadership team, but we have to wrestle with as a greater church. There is a future for us here in this church, in our community, but it is going to be a transformation. It's different because the world around us is different. What feels impossible now, what seems impossible when we look through and trying to figure out how do we get what we are now and what we think we need to be and what gives us 
uh, a sense of purpose and, uh, and, and perhaps makes us feel better just isn't going through the opening we need to squeeze through the other side. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to get things wrong. But as we focus on Christ, as we put him first and his call on us first and his desire to see the least, the last community be saved, be welcomed into his community, are we going to follow him or are we going to be sad and walk away? For we have many possessions. Just ready to let go. If we're not quite sure what to let go or whether we're able, that's one of the conversations. The meeting, the next steps meetings after church on the first Sunday, it's also a time for prayer and to say, what is it that God is calling us to and how can I be part of it? All have gifts to give. And what seems impossible be made possible. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks once again that you have invited us to be a part of your redeeming work in our world. That though we have turned away from you, though we have placed our own needs and desires ahead of you and above you and your desires for us, you continually invite us back continually invite us into this space where we can seek and feel your presence, especially that you've united us together with fellow disciples on the journey into your kingdom to pray for one another, to lift one another. We give you thanks for all the ways that you bless us and remind us of your abiding presence in the ways that what we once thought was impossible is happening around us, that lives are transformed, that healing that surgeries go well, that there's transformed lives, we find hope. Hope because it is a sign that you are at work in our world, and though we may not always understand what you are doing, we do know that we want to be a part of it. And so before we offer up this morning's prayers, before we have lifted up the names that are in our hearts, and all of the situations weigh heavily on our hearts, we ask you this first and foremost, that as we pray for others, if we can be an answer to anyone's prayers, if we can be your presence to anyone who is hurting, if we can speak your words of life and hope, if our hands can meet needs, that you would show us, that you would remind us that we are your hands and feet, we are your voice, and we can be your loving embrace. This morning we lift up cap coming surgery. We lift up Anne and her health issues. We lift up Jim Snyder, but we especially lift up those who care for him, who see the path ahead. Give them your peace and your comfort, and Jim as well. Let him be especially aware of your presence in his sickness. We lift up Romaine and Dick. Lift up the care for Romaine. Comfort to Dick. As he struggles with the memory issue, may he find ways to connect people. He might build relationships, he might find or, or experience the fullness of fellowship. May the loneliness he feels be dispelled. May he know he is not alone. We lift up Sally Roby. She might have healing from her fall. We lift up all of the names. 
lifted to you this day. Some we know and some we don't. We lift them up to you because they're too big for us to handle on our own and there is no need too great or too small to be placed in your hand to seek your guidance and your healing for what seems impossible to us is possible for you. We pray for our community. We pray for, oh, so many who feel lonely and depressed, who face anxiety, who struggle to find their place in this world. We pray for all those who are struggling with addiction. We try to feed whatever need or deficiency they see. Pray for those whose loved ones are struggling with addiction, the pain of being let down. For those in our community who are hungry, and for those that welcome them with open arms and smiling faces, we won't have to choose between medicine and food, place to live. All who may come to see this place as a not only where they can get the sustenance they need, but where they can be connected with other people who care for them. For our nation and its leaders, the divisions that tear us apart and the ways that we see each other as enemies rather than fellow citizens. Help us to see the world and our nation through your eyes, to see the hurt, the least, and the lost, to see the immigrant in our midst through your eyes, to see the poor through your eyes, to see the same as you do. Finding hope, finding healing, working towards justice and mercy. We pray for our world, for all those who are in harm's way because of war, famine and disease, hunger, who feel alone, who struggle to find a purpose, who question whether or not anyone cares and finds other people who would answer that with violence. Pray for all those who suffer because of where they live, where they were born, the color of their skin, their gender, or who they love. We are so grateful, God, at tearing, building up walls that you have torn down. We are so good at trying to figure out who is good and who is right and who should be removed. Your word reminds us that we're not good, but you are. So help us to love as you love. Help us to serve as you serve. And help us to get, be willing to give up it all, including our lives. For the sake of the lost, your kingdom, your transformation. You have called us to be your disciples, to follow you where you lead us, to follow so closely that we get covered in the dust that you kick up. Learning from you. Learning from your correction when we make mistakes. And seeking to live better the next day. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespassing as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May you go from this place trusting in the God. He is calling you to participate in his kingdom building work. And all you need to do is say, yes, I am able. 
and willing. He may ask you to give up much, some of which you may not yet be ready to give up. As you walk beside, you will. May you go from this place trusting in him. And now let us pray the words that we pray each week in the bullets screens ahead. Send to us all the people who feel unwanted and unloved in other places. If they can't come to us, send to us, to them. May you go from this place being willing to be led by God and the Spirit. May you go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.